to look at those YouTube stars and wonder how the heck they actually make money, and more importantly, how long it took them to build up a subscriber base so that they could actually earn a living from it? Well, I've got a treat for you on today's episode of Untapped. Are you tapping into your potential? Are you then taking that potential and turning it into a purposeful and profitable online offering so you can impact more people, share your skills and expertise, and make a dent in the world? And are you doing this while living a life that fills you with purpose, happiness, and opportunities for growth? This may all sound too good to be true, and I am telling you, it isn't. These are the big questions that I seek to answer on The Untapped Show, a podcast for go-getting humans who know that more is possible for them in life and who want to make real changes and live up to and beyond their human potential. In this weekly podcast, I share nuggets of wisdom on how to do this, combined with inspiring interviews with everyday humans who are doing this right now so that we can all learn from each other. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson, a best-selling author, podcaster, blogger, lifelong learner, triathlete and lover of handstands, and who took her humble blog back in 2010 and somehow managed to turn it into a multiple six-figure business by creating different revenue streams based around my skills, talents, and knowledge. And I know that this is possible for you too. So every single week, that's what you're going to hear here on this podcast to give you inspiration, motivation, strategy, and tactics to do this for yourself and to lead a purpose-driven life. So let's dive in to this week's show. I'm really excited actually because I don't think I've ever interviewed anybody who has so many YouTube subscribers and has built a full-blown business that has been going for absolutely years from something that just started out as a hobby and a love. So Aaron Nace is the founder of Flurn, and you'll figure out why it's not PH Learn, but basically he was born and raised on the quiet island of Kauai in Hawaii. And uh, he actually got his degree in industrial design. And when he graduated from college, he thought, okay, I might become an automotive or furniture designer. But then he took a six-month-long trip to South America, which transformed his life forever. Sound familiar? I don't know about people who just take trips to random places and then change their life. Never heard of those people. Anyway, it was during this time that he fell in love with photography and its power to both facilitate and share adventures. And in 2011, he founded Flurn to bring free creative education to anyone around the world. And now it is a full-on business, primarily built from YouTube, offering all these incredible courses around photography, Adobe Photoshop. And I just love in this episode how we talk about how he did that, what he loves about YouTube, how you could do that too. We also cover off on how to turn your creative passion into a full-time job and how to find balance between your business and your private life, especially when something like YouTube is such a private kind of space, and also how he's gone about building his team and focusing on them so that he can actually scale. So I love this. This is kind of just from complete from the ground up to where he is now. I hope you enjoy the interview. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome. Welcome. I am so excited to have Aaron Nace with us because I don't know if I've actually ever spoken to somebody who has built their YouTube channel to almost 1.8 million people, which is just incredible for somebody who has around 11,000. I know the effort that it takes just to get there. So I'm really excited to talk to Aaron, not just about that, but really about how do you develop your business from the ground up on YouTube? And for those of you listening who don't think it's possible, how can you actually earn a living from a massive social media site like YouTube? 
So Aaron, let's dive in at that point because I think this is fascinating. I'm so excited that we kind of got to know each other a little bit before this and that you came to me because this is something that I think intrigues so many people. Can you tell me how you started out on YouTube? So YouTube for me was basically just something I wanted to do for fun. At the time, I was uh, you know, an independent photographer. I was also specializing in doing a lot of Photoshop, so like photo retouching and photo compositing. And I found that there weren't that many great video tutorials teaching the stuff that I was personally interested in. And as I learned new techniques and new ways of doing things, I just really wanted to share that with everyone else because we're all creative people. And, you know, if I've spent years and years developing an art form, you know, it's cool to be able to share that with other people so they can kind of like get a jump start on their art form and, and get to doing what they love. And so, you know, the whole thing with YouTube in the beginning was just like, let's just have some fun. Let's share these cool ideas and techniques that I've learned over the last few years of being a, a photographer. And I had no plans of building a business, no plans of building any type of, you know, monetization. This was just a passion project. That's really where we got the start. And uh, and what year was this, Erin? Because I, I love that. I think most people start out with just, I've got, I'm really enjoying this. I just love to teach it. I'm sure other people are interested, but you're also passionate about it. So you just start putting out videos. And how long ago was this? This was back in 2011. So okay. I released some videos uh before then on vimeo.com which is another video platform at the time vimeo had just like you could upload longer videos and things like that but once youtube lifted all those restrictions they allowed you to upload hd and you know videos longer than 15 minutes That's uh, right. I, they did used to have that didn't they it's oh. a weird thing to think about it yeah. now but yeah. in the beginning you know if you wanted to make a legitimate you know 15 minute tutorial you could not put it on YouTube so once they lifted those restrictions uh, I saw that you know the community value of YouTube was just so great that I actually transitioned my entire video presence over to YouTube and it's been really good ever since that is amazing so you know I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes but you do all sorts of videos so for example teaching Photoshop to mums and just you know, obviously beginner Photoshop tips and how to use layering masks in Photoshop, testing the frame tool, just really cool things. So you obviously had to keep on top of, and that is a big part of what you do now, obviously, is, is learning. You make learning Photoshop fun. It's very straightforward. It's a great niche. Tons and tons of people. How big is the market of Photoshop users? Do you happen to know how many people? Oh, it's, it's tens of millions of people. It's, yeah, it's pretty much the piece of software, like the industry standard for photo editing, all the way from, you know, like hobbyists to high-end professionals. So just about any photographer you run across is probably at least somewhat sufficient with Photoshop. Graphic designers use it as an alternative to like vector-based programs. It is really the industry standard. And uh, yeah, Adobe doesn't share their exact numbers, but they have tens of millions of subscribers to their platform. That's crazy. When you started out in 2011, were you specifically talking about Photoshop then? Or were you a little bit more broad? Were you like, hey, here's some cool techniques to use with camera, etc.? Yeah, a bit more broad. And we still are a bit on the broad side today. Most of what we do is Photoshop, but my background is in photography. I was a professional photographer before I started doing any of this. And so we still teach photography. We'll teach the basics. We'll, we And then we teach other programs that are helpful for image editing as well. 
there's a program called Lightroom, which is kind of like a simplified version of Photoshop. I'm not doing the program justice by saying that because it's a fantastic program on its own, but it's another program that many photographers use to organize their images, for instance, and do some editing with like light and color. So we teach those programs as well. Nice. Okay, brilliant. So let's just sort of talk through, I'd love to sort of go from 2011 to the now, just so people know, how often were you making videos at the time? How often were you posting? And how much time was that taking up in your life outside of being a professional photographer? Just so people get the feel, because I think, you know, video can, can be a time suck for people who don't necessarily have a good system or schedule to it or and also it can be really massively scary to get started in it. So let's debunk some of those myths because I get it, but I also think people make it scarier than it needs to be. So in the beginning, I was actually uploading five videos a week, Monday through Friday. Wow. This was super, super committed. Wow. This was kind of <laughs> like you talked about your you know, body fitness training. This was, like me, this was like me going to the gym five days a week. You know, This was like... Yeah. I am going to just make this my life and put everything that I can into this. And that lasted for a few years, actually, at that pace. Then I moved it down to three videos a week, and now we're posting one video a week. So and we haven't missed a beat. It's been, you know, it's wow. been eight years. over, Nine years. yeah, almost eight years at this time. Basically, we haven't missed more than like a week in 10 years. So the frequency in which we've been posting has slowed down a bit, but you know, every single week, we're still putting out new videos for free on YouTube. That's amazing. So you were doing your full-time professional photography job when you started this channel? Exactly. Yes. Okay. And so uh, you were just like, oh, while I'm doing this in Photoshop, I might as well also teach people about it and do that on the side. Exactly. And I was also getting individual clients at this time who wanted to learn some more advanced Photoshop techniques. So, you know, we're talking about people uh, like amateur photographers, folks who are good at photography. They're like, they're invested in it. Maybe they've got a couple paid clients and they're looking to like make this their living. You know, they want to maybe quit their day job and become a full-time photographer. And a lot of what you can do to make your images better is done in camera, but also a lot of things that you can do are done in post-production. So those individuals were contacting me personally and asking if I could give them one-on-one -on -one classes. So at the time, I was splitting my time between giving one-on-one -on -one Photoshop lessons to individuals who looking to become professionals and also professionals. I was also working as a professional photographer and making YouTube video content. I love that because what you were doing was listening to your clients who were like, hey, I know you're doing this great work for us, but also I'm really interested in learning more about this. So you were doing that privately on the side and then you were like, wait a minute. I could probably do this in a way that reaches way more people, is more publicly available. And then off the back of that, did you have an idea in your head that, okay, because they, you, they were obviously paying you for that, that if you put out enough great free content, you could also then develop a paid product or service? Exactly. Yeah. So this was kind of like the work in progress. So YouTube from the beginning has been two things. For me, I've just always had the mentality like, as a creative, I, I want to give back. I want other people to be able to, to accomplish their dreams and not have to spend a lot of money to get there. That's just been a core to, you know, creating videos and a core to my current business. So that was, you know, kind of one side of why we make these YouTube videos. And the other side is it's a fantastic marketing platform because what we were doing while we're making free 
YouTube videos is we're also making uh, more advanced videos and selling them on our website. So not only they're getting a good idea of the, the quality of the content on YouTube, but they're also being introduced to the brand. The, the they, you know, we build a bit of uh, a trust there and a little bit of community. And, you know, from the beginning, it, we never push anyone to say, Hey, come now, like give us money. Like yeah. we're always going to make free tutorials. Like this is a part of who we are. You can learn this stuff for free a hundred percent. If you're looking for like the super advanced stuff or, you know, just like a little bit more of a catered experience and, you know, additional assets, like being able to download the images that we work on and follow along, that sort of stuff, then that's on our website as well. So YouTube has always been that kind of like dichotomy for us. Mm. There's that perfect sort of balance between how much free content you put out there and then how do you obviously make the rest of that something that you can productize and actually people will pay for. So what has been that sweet spot for you, have you found? Because obviously somebody could come along to your channel and watch all the amazing videos and be just fine. And this is a question I get asked all the time, but if they can do that, why would they then pay me? So what have you found as the sweet spot for where people really get value from actually investing in your products? So for us, it's always been pretty clear where we draw the line. YouTube videos, you know, for me, you know, five, 10, 15 minute videos are kind of the sweet spot for YouTube. Like this is where I'm going to, you know, I just need to learn how to do this one thing. Like maybe I photographed a person on a white background and I just need to change the color. Maybe I need to make it a blue background. So I just need to learn this one thing. I want to get in and get out and get it done. And that's the perfect thing for YouTube. I can teach that in 10, 15 minutes. Someone can watch that video, do a great job and get on with their day. Now we have other things like, hey, I want to become a professional retoucher or I want to become a professional photo compositor or I want to be able to do things in Photoshop that are going to make my images stand out. And those things, sometimes they can take hours to learn. They're, you know, a bit more complex and there's a lot going on. And with our lessons, we don't skip anything. You know, we go step by step by step. So, you know, videos that you get on our, on our platform on flearn.com uh, that's, you know, you're looking at some lessons are, you know, two, three, four hours. Some lessons are over 10 or 15 hours. Wow. So it's always been a very natural, like, uh, division of content between mm -hmm. what we're trying to teach and also like what our students are like coming to learn. Yeah. So you can give them the quick taste or the teaser or the one little thing that they can take away as a win. And that's perfect for them where they're at. But if they want to go deeper, if they want to master the craft, if they really want to understand Photoshop and, and excel in one particular area, that's where they go to lessons with you. Exactly. And we also teach in-depth photography tutorials. So, you know, anyone from, let's say you're getting it, you've got a smartphone, you've got some great photos that you're happy with, and maybe you're looking to become, get a little bit of a higher end camera and start uh, shooting a, from a semi-professional or professional standpoint we have tutorials that'll help you get there as well. I love that I have so many questions because this is how you build a business from nothing, folks. So there must be a lot of competition out there because obviously Adobe Photoshop's been around for absolutely years and there are many people who know how to use it. So how have you set yourself apart? Or yeah, I'd just be curious to know, you must know all the competitors out there. And uh, so you have to sort of find your niche, find that thing that makes you special, that sweet spot. Yeah, I think that, you know, our brand has been very personality-based from day one. Uh, I've been in the majority of our videos, even when we have guests come on, you know, I, yeah, I, I like that. to be in the video <laughs> with, our, with our guests. And, you know, I like the feeling of 
when I'm learning something, I just want like, I want to be with a friend. I want to be with someone I know, and I want them to teach me at like a relaxed, fun pace. And that to me is just the easiest way to, it's almost like I'm learning how to do something, but I didn't even realize I was learning something. It's just like, oh, I'm just hanging out with my friend and all of a sudden I know how to do this. Like, that's super cool. That for us has just been kind of the the mood that we've tried to set with our videos from day one. And we try to have a very informal attitude. You know, we're joking around, we're having fun. And <laughs> in the meantime, it's like, oh, wow, I'm, I can professionally retouch photos now, or now I know how to use my camera and I can go out and take amazing photographs. How did that happen? I was just watching this fun video. So for That's us, awesome. it's, it's always been, you know, personality number one. And, you know, of course, we put a lot of energy into like the content and the structure of our of our videos as well and and the production of them but you know we always want to make it feel like you're just kind of like cozy you got your pajamas on you're hanging out with your friend and you're (laughs) learning at the same time that's awesome so i've got to ask it was you at the beginning you went from these sort of individual clients and small workshops into doing it online how steep was that learning curve for you at the time or did you pick it up pretty quickly and what did you actually use to put your sort of learning online back in 2011 yeah, so I'm a bit on the tech side. Like I, you know, yeah, I got into photography. <laughs> you know, I just like I like cameras. I like computers. You know, that's just like uh, who I am. So we started on a platform, just on a WordPress platform, using a simple like plugin called WooCommerce mm-hmm. uh, to sell individual videos. Early on, it was basically just a screen recording. I used you know nice. like QuickTime screen recording software. I made a screen recording, hooked up a microphone, and just worked my way through images. These days, production has, uh, <laughs> we've gone a couple uh, steps since then. So we've got, we've a studio built out with like, you know, lighting and, and, and audio and, you know, multiple camera angles, all, everything's HD. And you see, you'll see a video of your instructor. And I'm the instructor in a lot of the videos. So you actually get to see me during the entire tutorial. So maybe we'll start off and I just kind of explain like, okay, in this video, we're going to learn how to remove some like pimples and maybe some redness from your skin. Super cool. Anyone can do this and it takes about 15 minutes. And then we get right into the tutorial and you still see me in the top right corner of your screen. So I just kind of talk you through it. I show you how to use the tools, show you how easy it is. And then it's me again. So everything is just, you know, it really is like you're, you're just kind of spending time with someone you know. Yeah, that's really cool. I remember WooCommerce, it's good. So that would be with a WordPress plugin. And now your site looks super great. And I'm sure that you sort of build it on your own and do all those things. How many courses do you have now? Tons. <laughs> uh, hundreds and hundreds. We hundreds have, hundreds. yeah, we have uh, over 500 free courses on flurn.com. Wow. And, um, yeah, we have about 150 pro courses on flurn.com as well. So the fun thing now is we have a subscription. So all you have to do is sign up and you get access to every single tutorial, which is so cool because we're, you know, when you're learning, it's like the whole idea of like, okay, I want to learn how to do this. But sometimes you learn how to do one thing and it, it automatically like pulls your interest in a place where you, maybe you didn't even know right? Like maybe you just get into like starting to learn the basics of like photo editing. And then from there, you're like, oh, you know what? I actually really like doing like photo compositing. Maybe I want to try to like 
create like fantasy type images or, you know, these like otherworldly type of things. So because we have a subscription, you can start off just learning the basics and then you can go down any one of these paths. Like you could learn how to become a professional product photographer or, you know, do all like edit wedding images, like for wedding photographers out there, like all these different cool things. And it's just kind of, you know, watch until yeah, watch until you fall asleep and then watch some more. <laughs> yeah, because I can see from your site, you know, a lot of your courses are super affordable. They're under 50 bucks. So I, I'm really curious from a business perspective, how has this helped or changed what you've done? So you've gone from selling just individual courses, you introduced the subscription model. And a lot of people would say, oh gosh, so you're taking a bit of a hit on that. But I imagine that the recurring revenue each month for people who are actually going to show up month after month and do that and can stay on for years then is going to be the best part in the long run. Is that kind of how you viewed it? In terms yeah, exactly. Of exactly. Yeah. So, you know, anyone looking in to go into this subscription model, I, I would definitely, you know, expect a few pretty big differences. And, you know, we, we definitely saw a change in income, but the other thing that we saw a big change was is actually how we structured the business itself. Because once you go on to any type of subscription platform, you know, the real, what you're kind of guaranteeing your audience is that you're going to have new content consistently for them, right? Like they're not only paying for everything that you have released, but they're paying for everything that they're going to get as well. And that's really where the value comes in is, you know, keeping people around for years and years to come. And the only way that's ever going to happen is if you're constantly providing new content. So we really learned quite a bit on, you know, how to create new content and optimize our workflow to where we're able to, you know, push out. We actually, we publish a new pro content and, you know, I'm talking about anywhere from two to four hours. So a new pro tutorial twice a month. So every two weeks we've got a new pro tutorial and at the same time, every single week, we're releasing a free tutorial on YouTube. So it's been a big change in how we operate the business itself. It's always a little bit of a gamble when you, when you do change like a core business offering. But, you know, in my heart, I believe that as long as we continue to provide really good content, people will stick around and, and they'll stick around for as long as they need. Sometimes, you know, a person only needs to learn a couple of things and then they're done and, and that's okay. And then sometimes people stick with us for years and years and years. And that's fantastic. Yeah, I imagine. So uh, I've got to ask, how many customers do you have? I mean, you can be as honest or as transparent as you want here, but I'd love to know. And how profitable has this journey been? Like back in 2011 to where you are now, did you imagine reaching the high? I'm assuming it's going really well because you've been around for so long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's going very well. Yeah, things are going very well. Um, you know, I, I had no idea, honestly. I this was just something that I, in the beginning, it was like, what can I do to just like pay my bills, right? Like I got to pay rent, I got a car payment, I got to eat, like what, you know, if I can make that much money, I'm happy, you know? And these days uh, we have, you know, a, a wonderful full-time staff. We've got, you know, like beautiful studio here in Chicago and, uh, you know, a, a fantastic team of people in a fantastic community. So um, yeah, we we built really a, a thriving business based on what really just started out as like, you know, can I make this happen for for just myself? So I, you know, I really had no idea where it was going to go. And I, 
I, you know, you still don't, right? Like I have ideas of where I'd like things to go in a couple of years from now, but uh, you know, in all reality, you know, things tend to change every, I, I would say even every six months, uh, we have, you know, new insights or, or new ideas on how the business should go. And a business, especially a small business like ours, can change pretty dramatically, even in a short period of time. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you've also got the thing that if Adobe Photoshop ever ceased to exist, which is very unlikely, but you just never know, right? Because you built your entire business around that particular piece of software. And have you ever thought about that? Does it ever scare you? Well, you know, Photoshop's been around for a long time. We also teach True. photography, which is, you know, uh, a- another way, you know, if Photoshop did go away completely, that would definitely hurt our business for sure. Uh, but we all te- we also teach professional photography, so that would have to go away as well. We also teach other programs, so those would have to go as w- away as well. Mm. Um, you know, but... There, or you'd have to create your own version of Photoshop. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so you always, you know, in business, you you kind of have to be a little bit mindful of, of where you're going to hit your cart to. For instance, in the early days, I was using Flickr.com quite a bit to, yeah. to advertise my one-on-one classes that I was teaching. And I got a message from, you know, the administrators of Flickr that said, hey, you know, this is out of our terms of service. Like we don't want you advertising for your own product on our platform. We're going to kick you off the platform if you keep doing this. Wow. And I was like, uh, well, this is how I'm making my living. Like, you know, like this and photography, like I need to do this. Like, what am I going to do? And that was kind of like a big sign to me. That's like, you need to have your own platform. You need to be, you need to have your own website where people are coming to that website and they can get everything that you need from that website. Because as long as you rely on, you know, something else for your business, it's a vulnerability and it's something you can't control. And I mean, realistically, every business has this, right? Like you sell, you know, you're a, a, a wine company that sells wine and all of a sudden, you know, an article comes out that says wine isn't good for you and no one's buying your wine. You know, like you're always going to have some sort of uh, thing you can't control in business. But, you know, and luckily there's enough wine lovers out there that, that will never happen. But I do. I totally. Can. Yeah, I do. yeah. I mean, I'm one of them. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'll then, make sure that wine keeps <laughs> wine sales are good. Yeah. <laughs> and the same, I guess, applies a little to YouTube, because obviously you are on somebody else's platform. It's not one that you own. But at the same time, they've given you the right to be able to be on there and reach an audience of billions. Do you ever think about uh, having your own sort of platform or being able to just diversify a little bit about where you post your videos. Do you post them anywhere else or is, or is YouTube really the main platform? Yeah, we do. We post our videos on Facebook. We link to them on every social media channel. Yeah. And as far as our paid content goes on our website, all of those videos are hosted on an independent platform as well. So, you know, yeah. if YouTube were to evaporate tomorrow, all of our paid customers would still be able to get the same experience that they're getting today. And we would be ready to transition over to any other video hosting platform if need be. We'd definitely be sad about missing the built-in audience that YouTube Mm -hmm. provides. But at the end of the day, uh, Google is making a lot of money on YouTube. And (laughs) it would be a very interesting business decision to go ahead and just, you know, shut that service off. So I I, I don't see it happening, uh, you know, but... 
Who I don't either, but I love bringing it up because I just want people who are listening who, you know, a lot of people freak out about, but what if this goes away or that goes away? And what I was really trying to do and ask that is show that you've thought about this stuff and you've got contingencies in, plan, in place and you've got different places where you show up and that not everything is relying on one or two platforms. That was more my point is just always have a backup plan, be prepared, but also know that these, I mean, social media has been around since, in many cases now, 2002, 2004 for some of the main platforms, and we're 15 years coming up to two decades in, so I think for anybody who ever felt that it was going, it wasn't going to be sticking around, they were, uh, they've been very, very much uh, <laughs> shown that, that that is not the case, and I think they're incredible platforms and we get to use them, but just always really knowing what you own and what you're prepared to put on sites that um, you don't have control over, but are incredible for building a business. So I'm curious to know what, um, if you were cool to break it down, kind of the percentage of revenue streams. So you, I assume you use uh, and you do get quite a lot of revenue from YouTube ads. Um, and then you've got your own courses and you've got your membership. If you sort of know the rough percentage breakdown of how your revenue streams make up the business. Yeah, I could give you uh, kind of rough percentages. Yeah. YouTube is fantastic. Uh, and, and we do receive YouTube ad revenue, but my rough estimate is that it's about 5% of, of the revenue of our, of our business. Mm -hmm. Um, we also earn revenue from sponsorships, uh, corporate sponsorships, uh, business sponsorship that, that can come in many different ways, you know, sponsoring to be in one of our videos, for instance, a free tutorial we'll release. We'll say, Hey, this video was brought to you by so-and-so, uh, you know, yeah, that's a that's a great way to earn some money. And as long as, you know, we found that as long as you are just a regular old person about it, you know, it's just like, hey, this video is brought to you by a sponsor. Like, I hope you, you know, like this video. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, I, I, I do my best to not be robotic. And I do my best to only work with companies that I can actually vouch for. Like, have I used your service? Have I used your product? I'm not, you know, I'm not just gonna go ahead and attach my name or our business name to any old thing but if it's a product that i already know and love i'm more than happy to do so we receive ad revenue in various places uh from our websites uh as well as you know different types of ventures that we're associated with and then we have our subscription platform as well which provides i would say a large majority of our of our revenue and then we have just a a, a, a bunch of other fun little ventures and the things like that here and there that we kind of just like have internally that we don't necessarily even publish just like you know existing websites and things like that that yeah. um are kind of just like you know small earners but like little consistent things that we love and uh a lot of it's pet projects like this whole you know my primary business started as a pet project and i'm like addicted to it you know i i love i love building things and i love providing new things for people and you know like my my passion for that is, you know, just as strong now as it was when we got started. So, you That's know, awesome. we'll have some fun ideas of like, hey, what about if this exists? So we'll spend some time like spinning, spinning up uh, things on the side and, and just seeing how they do and having fun with them. So that's also a really fun thing that's, you know, once a core business reaches a point where, you know, you're not trying to put out fires every single day, you can kind of spin up some other ideas and see how they go. Yeah, 100%. And I love hearing that. So if you're the type of person who gets addicted to things and just love it, you could do it all the time. I'd love to know just how you find a good balance between 
being on this all the time and working with your team and creating your videos and thinking things up and actually balancing out your own free time. I mean, do you still do a lot of, oh, I'm sure you do photography, but do you do a lot of it just for fun, just for pure, I'm just going to go out and, and enjoy and take some photos and not think of it in a business context? Yeah, definitely. And these days, I, I mean, I started photography while I was traveling. So I, I took a trip to South America for about six months after graduating college. And that's when I fell in love with photography, just being in, you know, constantly changing environments and constantly being inspired and in everything that I saw made me want to capture it. And I still feel the same way today. I'm going to Alaska later this month and I can't wait to bring my camera and, you know, little tripod and just like see what I can see being in a new place. Everything it's like, you know, everything has sparkles surrounding it. And I'm like, yeah, I want to take my camera and have a lot of fun capturing everything that I see. That sounds fantastic. Ah, oh, just love it. With the team, when did you make your first hire? I'm always curious about this. And like, which point did you go, oh my gosh, I just can't do all of this anymore. I really need some help. And, and who was that person? Uh, so I met, my first hire was just an intern. It started off as like a summer internship. And it was actually an unpaid internship that uh, they got college credit for, which is fantastic. This is back in 2012. And then that went on to a paid part-time position. So uh, I was able to afford to have them maybe 20 hours a week or so. And as the business grew, they pulled, moved on to a full time and then, you know, one after another. And right now we're a small company and we're pretty intentionally small. I, I, I really like having a small team of people that just like, we're like a, you know, just like a workhorse of a team, man. We, we crank out so much awesome stuff with our small team. I'm so proud of us. And I love it that way because we are a company, but we're also like, I don't know. Friends. We have a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want to throw these words around because like, yes, people are being paid to be here, right? Like <laughs> if I said to everyone, hey, by the way, we're just friends now. I'm not going to pay you anymore. Like, would they still show up? Obviously not. Like everyone needs a job. Um, but the culture of the company is super important. And I want everyone like while they're here to just have a really great experience on a day-to-day -day basis all the way to like, you know, year-to-year -year basis. So we have a full kitchen at our studio. We bring in, you know, like uh, food every single week. Everyone gets whatever they want. So we're always making food and laughing. We have game nights and, you know, we have a bar in our studio. We're just having a good time <laughs> and doing our best to balance the, the work life, you know, because at the end of the day, we're basically a video production company. So we got a bunch of folks you know, creative people, and they're, they're, you know, hanging out, they're, you know, doing a lot of work on computers for hours and hours and hours a day. So at the end of that, it's like really nice to say like, oh, let's go in the kitchen, like make some like banana bread from scratch and like have a drink and like have some fun and, you know, kind of just like enjoy our life as a part of the work-life balance. So to me, work-life balance is not only just spending time at the office, but also at home, but also trying to make the office as comfortable as a place as possible in a place where you would actually want to be. Yeah, I really, really like that. That's neat how you've managed to build that up, but also just keep it intentionally at a size that works well for you and that makes people really, really want to be there and just loving what they do. Because I think there's always, again, a fine line between doing too much yourself and not ever outsourcing or handing things over when you really should be so that you can scale and reach more people. Um, and then also this point at which you just hire too many and it, it kind of almost becomes this thing that you're, you're managing and leading folks rather than doing what you love. So how have you 
found that balance? It sounds like you found a pretty happy medium, but how hard has it been to hand things over and also keep the things that you love? Yeah, I've I've struggled with exactly that. There have been times (laughs) in the past where I've just had too many people working at the company to the point where like I was having to just like try to think of things for people to do. And then it's like, what have we gotten ourselves into? Like, why do we have this many people? I mean, of course, like sometimes you just meet an awesome person. And you're like, I'd like to work with you. But at the end of the day, like if we don't have a need, like if there's not a real need for something that, you know, has to get done for the business, then, you know, we won't bring another person on. Uh, and most of the time I feel comfortable first doing my best to learn what that job actually looks like. So let's say we're going to bring on a new video editor. Well, I want to edit video for a while. Like I want to know what it takes to edit video, how long it takes, what it looks like to edit a good video. Like, you know, I, I want to get a level, like a, a, a standard in here so I can understand it for myself and then I can find the right person to hire for that. And I'm also personally interested in hiring people kind of like spaced out. So that way, every time we bring a new person in, the team has already like solidified because if you bring a lot of people in at the same time, everyone's just kind of like in this jelly stage. No one really like knows, you know, kind of like what's going on. But you know, if you bring, let's say you bring on a new person every six months or so, then they're going to be coming into an existing culture where everyone kind of like knows the deal. They've already got their, you know, they've already got their, you know, kind of work underway. And that way it also gives the administrative staff time and energy to focus on training this new person and integrating them into the company and the culture and really just helping them in their transition and keeping an eye on, you know, are they being overworked? Are they being underworked? Are they struggling with these tasks? Like, did we put them in the right position? Are they a good fit? So we also uh, have a trial period when we bring new people in too, because, you know, we are a small team and I want to make sure that, you know, everyone gets along with each other. And, you know, there's a, like everyone, I, I want to help build our communities stronger and stronger. So there's a trial period and it's, you know, set forth from day one where it's like, okay, cool. We'll bring you on board. Usually we'll bring someone in as a contractor first for just a couple of jobs. If that goes well, we'll bring them in maybe as a part-time. If that goes in, then we'll look at putting them into a full-time position. So it's a gradual transition and it's, uh, you know, something that we're always working on, but I've done the fast growth thing in the past and I've done the slow growth thing as well. And these days I'm, definitely on the slow growth side of things and i find it's just much easier to kind of keep everything in track and and get a good idea of where things are going and uh, making sure that company culture stays a high priority i love it awesome thank you for sharing that and just one more sort of thing before we wrap up because i could talk for ages about it but i'd love for you to share for people who are out there listening and going okay cool i i definitely have something that i want to teach I'd love to build, you know, an online business that gives me more freedom and flexibility. YouTube intrigues me. What would be just a couple of tips that you would give to people after all you've learned on it and all the things that you've probably done really well and the things that you tried and experimented with and that were tough so that they kind of get over any fear and and do just take the leap and give it a shot? What would be some of the, the key things that you think made a real difference to your growth on creating that channel and from that an audience and a community from which you've been able to build a whole business? 
I know it's hard to distill, but you can you can, can just can I give like a four hour answer? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> um, so here here are some of my top things. Uh, consistency is key. Releasing a video, if you can release one video a week for the foreseeable future, you're going to grow a channel. You're going to grow an audience base. Uh, if you can't do that, you know, every two weeks is is good too. But I would say, you know, keep yourself to that consistent schedule. Make sure that you're releasing in a frequent manner. And, you know, if you fired up all of a sudden and you're like, I'm going to record three videos today, maybe space them out so you still get that once a week or once every two week release. Second, I would really we script out not word for word because that's a little bit much but pretty much like organization and scripting every single piece of content that we produce every piece of video content so in our videos for instance we teach photoshop so we're always starting off with an introduction so hey there today we're going to show you how to change and remove the background of this person let's say you photograph someone in their office and want to make it look like they're outside we're going to show you how to do that today so that's the introduction to the video. And in that video, you know what you're about to learn and you can stick around if that's what you want to learn. If you don't want to learn that, we don't waste any of your time. That's another big one is people, you know, video content by its nature takes time to consume. So try to be respectful of that time. So in our organization, we'll say, okay, here's the intro. We're going to replace the background. And then we go, all right, let's go ahead and show you how to do it. Here in Photoshop, we're going to show you how to use this tool this 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 and this okay and then at the end of the video all right i hope you enjoyed that this was how we you know removed the background of this person just remember here are the key steps one two three four five and that way we have a very consistent organization to where a person can keep mental track of what they learned in that video so we want to make sure that we are as organized as possible on the front end so that they can keep things organized in their heads as well we always do a preliminary uh, test of what we're going to be teaching every single video that we make. You know, for instance, if we're making a Photoshop tutorial, I'll always make sure to edit that video or edit that image beforehand, usually a couple of times, so I can really get those steps down. Because when you're giving a video, you want to make sure that you can focus on the presentation and the user, not trying to work your way through a problem. For instance, if we were making cooking videos, you want to make a dish at least a few times so you'd be very comfortable making that dish maybe you'd have those stages already ready to go where you you pop the chicken in the oven you got another chicken that's already come out of the oven ready to go so being prepared in this way and you know thinking through and working through your content a couple of times that way you're just so comfortable when you're making the video that you're like making jokes and having a good time and you know you're not thinking about trying to get that task done you're just thinking about like how can i make this the best possible video for my audience yeah on the technical side i would say that audio is more important than video video you know you can shoot that on an iphone whatever totally cool just make sure you get some sort of external microphone you know good video is great but good audio can make or break a video so oh, definitely so glad you said that <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things you never think about but you know having just an external microphone this doesn't have to be something that's super expensive just having something maybe clipped to your shirt or using a, a shotgun mount there are many many microphones out there but i do recommend getting a microphone on the technical side and i also do recommend editing your video you know i i recommend giving structure just like we talked about earlier an intro 
you know, the actual content of the video and an outro. And if you don't get your intro right the first time, that's okay. You can say it again. I do it all the time, you know, make an intro to a video and I'll mess up four or five times and then I'll deliver one that I'm like, okay, that was it. I said everything I wanted to say, you know, I didn't trip over my words. Fantastic. Now let's get into the content and I'll go through the content and anywhere through the video where I'm like, oh, you know what? I just didn't say that in a way that I want. Like it didn't make sense. Let me just try that again. I'll just, you know, go back a couple steps and record it again. And when we edit it together, it looks like no mistakes were made. But, you know, we're probably cutting out about 30% of the content, which was just mistakes in the first place. So if you're not publishing live video, I highly recommend, you know, just give it a couple shots. And if it takes you three minutes to explain a point and you think back on it and you're like, I could have explained that in 30 seconds, just record it again in 30 seconds use that in the video, your viewers are going to love you and probably made things a little bit more clear the second time around anyway. Thank you so much. I love those tips. So just some, you know, some of those are just really obvious, but not to people who aren't used to doing video. And some of them were great reminders for me as well. So I really love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Just so thrilled for you that this has been such a wild journey and almost sort of eight years on. It's great to see that. I love seeing longevity in a business and somebody who's consistently stuck at it. And it's come from your love of wanting to teach this and to really dive more into Photoshop and helping turn people into brilliant photographers and also editors and all those wonderful things. So I will be linking to the show notes for flurn.com and all the good places and probably to a couple of your videos where you've discussed this. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, where can people find you personally online? Are you um, you're most likely on Instagram sharing some of your beautiful photos? Where's the best place to reach? <laughs> you know, the best place is uh, flurn. It's P-H-L-E-A-R-N. It's our website. It's on Facebook. Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, everything. I'm posting stories on there. There's a ton of personality and, and we're, we're doing a lot. So uh, my personal Instagram is a lot of fun, but it's just mostly pictures of my dog and family. So it's like, <laughs> you can definitely follow that along if you want. That's uh, A-K-N is in Nancy, A-C-E-R. Uh, that's just me out and about having fun with my life. Love it. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. So if you enjoyed that, please share this podcast episode with somebody who you know is maybe really interested in photography or YouTube or simply has an idea and believes it can be done but hasn't got into it yet. I would really love for you to share it. You can do that by going to nataliesisson.com forward slash 038 and tweeting it sharing it on Facebook, whatever, or if you're listening to this in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, there's usually a little share button down the bottom and you can just pop it through to them on WhatsApp or email. That is the best possible way that you can show this podcast some love. And another way you can show this podcast love and keep it advert free and have me producing this every week for you and my small team of awesome people who make this happen is to pledge a little bit of love, a coffee, a dinner date, a lunch to me, and all of that will go straight back into the production of this podcast. And as I said, keeping it advert free. And that you can do at nataliesisson.com forward slash love. Other than that, I want you to go out and tap into your potential and have an incredible week. 